Hi guys, Chelsea here. Welcome back to another episode of Loud and Seemingly Confident. Just wanted to give you a heads up. You might hear a little bit of slight buzzing behind my guest as he's talking, as there was a little bit of construction going on outside his window, but it's very faint. I just wanted to give you a heads up. So with that out of the way, enjoy the episode. It's one of those things that I used to watch as a child. Yeah. And I used to watch the Oscars and you know, look at these glamorous celebrities in their beautiful gowns and would be mesmerized by yeah. the gowns and how, how wonderful they looked. So to think that, that my garment is walking that same red carpet is just, you know, it's a pinch me moment and yeah. it, it doesn't get old and it's exciting every time. podcast for introverts, extroverts, and everyone in between. I'm your host, Chelsea Heaney, and my guest today is the owner, creator, and head designer of Paolo Sebastian, an Australian-based international couture design company creating some of the most beautiful gowns I have ever seen. His dresses have been worn to the Academy Awards, the Emmys, the Golden Globes, and the Met Gala, and have been worn by celebrities like Heidi Klum, Kerry Washington, Katy Perry, and Kim Kardashian, just to name a few. Please welcome to the show the outrageously talented Paul Vasilev. Thank you very much for having me today. Thank you so much for coming. So, I mean, I guess we'll just jump straight into it. How did you get started in design? Where did the interest first come from? Um, well, I basically started around age three, um, showing an interest, I guess. Um, I was very much obsessed with Disney films and <laughs> um, just making dresses out of wrapping paper and newspaper for friends. Wow. And and, um, I would go into dad's shed and get scrap wood and make mannequins. And yeah, it kind of just developed from there. Uh, I made my first proper dress for a friend at age 11. Mm-hmm. And um, I was just around my, my nonna who sewed and um, yeah, just kind of grew up with it and was constantly just drawing and sketching. And um, then my parents put me through art classes and sewing classes and pad making classes. And when I was around age 12 was when I kind of said, you know, I want, I want to start my own label and I'm going to call it Alex Sebastian. And then when I was in year 12, um, well, I started making my friends school formal dresses and all of mm-hmm. that. I was in year 12. That's when I started Alex Sebastian. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned the um the school formal dresses there because I was actually um I was having morning tea with a friend from work today and I mentioned that I was doing this interview and she's from Adelaide so I was like have you heard of Paolo Sebastian and apparently her best friend's mum was your Italian teacher okay <laughs> apparently <laughs> and um so this girl Natalie who's my friend's yeah. best friend yeah. apparently you made her formal dress yeah, I um. Yeah, like very early in the stages. And apparently like she didn't want like any embellishment, like nothing fancy, wanted it very simple. And now is like, I could have had a Paolo Sebastian dress and I wouldn't let him do anything. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I, so Nat, her, her mother, Tonya, was mm. my teacher. She was my year eight homeroom teacher. Mm. And um, after finishing high school she uh, like we kept kind of kept in touch over the years and after finishing high school she came to me with um, an application to um, for a scholarship to study in Milan Uh, and it had to be someone of Italian background and heritage that they offer one scholarship a year to someone in Australia of Italian heritage so she came to me with the application and I was really hesitant about putting it forward because I didn't think that I I would get in and um, she actually filled out the form for me and did all the Italian parts and everything and all the translating. Um, and yeah, I, I kind of, I submitted it just to make her happy and make my parents. Yeah. And then one day I got a phone call saying, you've been successful um, and yeah. pack your bags, you're moving to Milan. <laughs> I owe her um, a great deal and, and yeah, very grateful for her. Yeah, that's really cool. That's What was living in Milan like? Uh, interesting. Um, look, I, 
I loved it. It was a very, it was probably the most difficult year of my life. Um, mm-hmm. Coming from Adelaide, I'm a real homebody. I really am very close with my family and my friends. Yeah. Um, you know, like majority of my friends are from birth and, uh, yeah. you know, childhood. Um, and, and, you know, all my high school friends and everything like that. So I, I have like very long standing, strong friendships. Um, so leaving that at age 19 was really, really hard. Um, and I, I kind of got to Milan and I didn't speak the language and yeah. completely like a huge culture shock. And I had never lived out of home before. So, you know, all of a sudden I was living by myself, taking care of myself, having to cook and clean and do all those things while studying. Um, yeah. It was just a really big, you know, my life just turned upside down completely. But having said that, I was exposed to, you know, I was in the fashion capital and I was exposed to the most amazing teachers and curriculum and, um, you know, I, I wish I could do it again because it was just so such yeah. an experience. Um, and I certainly encourage everyone to, you know, to travel. You know, I, I learned so much just from traveling and being in a different culture in a different country. And, and you know, I got to travel around Europe in that time because everything's so close. Yeah. I, I think in, in one short year I did a lot of growing up. Yeah. And it really, really helped to shape my career path and really cemented in me the, the path that I wanted to take. And also... I think cemented in me the fact that I wanted to stay in Australia and um, yeah, yeah, because I always knew that I I didn't want to move, mm. but I think being away from everyone really kind of set that in stone for me. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. So you talked there a bit about um, you know, like you you did friends formal dresses and stuff. How did Paolo Sebastian come about? Like when was your first collection that you put together or showcase or so I was in year 12 at CBC um and I was probably in year 11 um that was 2006 end of 2006 I was picking my subject in year 12 Mm -hmm. and one of my teachers came to me and said subject called extension studies which not a lot of people know about and it's basically now like the research project and it really gives you the opportunity to plan out your own curriculum and your own mm. subject. And it's just an investigative topic where I looked, in my case, I looked at um, planning a fashion show to raise money for charity. Yeah. And in doing so, I used it as an opportunity to launch my brand. <laughs> Convenient. So, <laughs> and the whole of my year 12 really was based around Palace Sebastian and, and, and getting that set up so my I did I was doing business studies so my business studies assignment was based around the business plan for Palo Sebastian and everything was related to Palo Sebastian (laughs) any English assignments that I could were related to Palo Sebastian my um all my IP design art all those um they were all every every (laughs) assignment was for Palo Sebastian so then when I completed year 12 I was really set up with all with all this that's awesome yeah um you know I had I had uh, catalogs I had logos I had you know brand, branding everything was ready to go yeah that's really cool how yeah. did that first showcase go um look it was amazing still one of the highlights of my life um, yeah all of my friends that I had made formal dresses for I I forced them to model in the show <laughs> as um, a return of favour. And, you know, it was great. It was like such a community spirit and effort behind it all. Um, Mm. All of my friends' mums were around the kitchen table um, and, you know, my family sewing buttons and and doing hems and, um, you know, anyone that could pitch in would pitch in. People made food. People, like my dad and his friends would build sets and um you know people putting out flyers and all all of that just to kind of get the word out um you know the local the newspaper came the advertiser came uh, which is our local paper and we had a full page in the newspaper the next day in color 
And wow, that's really cool. From there, I started getting wedding dress orders. and it kind At of, what, 17, 18? I had just turned 17. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> that was Ju- and that was July of 2007. So I was halfway through year 12. So I was making wedding dresses at night. And um, Jesus you know, Christ. <laughs> I was working at 3 a.m. and then catching the bus at 7 a.m. to go to school the next day. Yeah. Well, it's clearly what you wanted to do. <laughs> Yeah, I wish I had the energy that I had then. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, I fit it all in. I kind of look back. Because that was, you know, now when we do a collection, it's like 30, 40 pieces at, at most for a runway. Yeah. I did in my first collection 64 pieces. Oh, my God. So, and it, that was just, you know, just me sewing. So, um, and, and cutting <laughs> and making and all old. Now, now we have a huge team of people to do that. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that was just myself plus all, you know, the, the neighbourhood that was helping out. Yeah. How but incredible. It was fun times. Yeah. And you, you sort of, you mentioned before about, you know, not wanting to leave Adelaide, being a real homebody. How does it actually work running an international design company from Adelaide? Um, we make it work. Uh, <laughs> it's certainly something that no one thought would be possible or achievable mm-hmm. but I'm happy to say that it, it has been um I think you know it doesn't you know the, with, with the way the world, world works now it really doesn't matter where you are mm. and I think COVID is a huge example of that yeah absolutely that is, as long as you've got good wi-fi connection it doesn't really matter where you are in the world because yeah. uh, the world is so small now and, um, you know, when COVID kind of hit us, we were kind of already set up for kind of work because we've been used to, you know, uh, virtual uh, consults and interaction with, with clients for years now. Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. yeah it, there's, there's so much opportunity. And w- what I love about Australia is that there are so many different cultures here. So, mm. um I think for us, we had a really good grounding yeah. and um, starting point in, in, you know, because we are international, we, we deal with um, clients in all different countries and um, I'm thankful for my Australian upbringing because I have been exposed to a lot of those cultures. So I, I had a good understanding of, you know, different customs and different, um, you know, being respectful of different customs and different... Yeah thinkings and beliefs yeah I mean that's obviously a really good thing to have when you're dealing with people from all over the world and yeah I think it's really important and being sensitive to different um different viewpoints because you know um particularly with weddings you need to be across different customs and things because Mm -hmm. you um, make suggestions that are appropriate for, for that client so yeah um so I think yeah, I'm, I'm very grateful to, to be able to do that from here because I think it, it really set us in good stead. Yeah. And can you talk a little bit about that, you know, Palace Sebastian starting as just you and now you have this big team of people? Like how is that starting to hire other people? Like did you feel like you couldn't sort of give up some of that control? If I could tell you the, you know, the amount of times that I would go back and forth thinking, you know, do I hire someone? Don't I hire someone? How could I possibly hire someone? Um, it was a real internal struggle that I, I dealt with. For, I remember um, meeting uh, Philippa, who's at one of our first staff that we hired, that I hired at the time. Um, I remember meeting her probably six months before we actually hired her. Mm. And um, it was just kind of this do I, don't I, how do, how do I run that, how, does, how do I make that work? Yeah. And, I mean, she's still with us today, <laughs> which is fantastic. Um, and we have a – I love my team. They're just the most incredible bunch of people. Yeah. Um, but it is still hard now hiring people because it's we've got such a great close-knit team that yeah. seeing someone into that is, is really scary because you don't want to mess with the culture and um, – you know that that delicate balance that we have so it, it even now is hard but at least we have really great set policies and procedures in place and yeah. programs and um, training programs for everyone that comes in because 
obviously the work that we do is quite intricate. It's not just your mainstream sewing. Mm. So it takes about six months to a year to um, when someone new starts with us, no matter their experience. Yeah. To, to really get them um, sewing the, to the level and the standard that we require. So, but at the time when I was first hiring, um, I had none of that set in place. Mm. It was kind of a lot of me watching over their shoulder and (laughs) I felt really bad, but it was the relinquishing, that relinquishing um, control. And obviously I'm somewhat of a perfectionist and a little bit of a control freak. So, um, you know, taking a step back was, was really challenging for me. But once I did, I saw how much, I guess, stress was off my off my platform and how yeah. much I was free to do. And so, um, you know, hiring the next person was that little bit easier and the next person. But then what you find is you become sort of a, a, a leader and a manager. Yeah. And, and that's its own ball game um, and something that I've – a skill set that I've had to learn, which I didn't – previously um but I enjoy it and as I said they're an amazing group of people and we're constantly you know trying to better ourselves and improve ourselves and and that's what I love it's it's very a very creative team and very um very passionate about being the best and perfecting what we're doing and so always room for improvement and we're always trying to to go that next step further with each collection that we do yeah and I will say like you guys are doing an amazing job I can get lost in your Instagram for just hours and I mean I I am just about the most single person I know but I'm already decided that I'm having you design my wedding dress so I mean you've got a few years to build up a plus size collection um but um it's just so stunning so how do you get started in a design process let's say maybe for your collections like what's sort of the first thing that you do um well for collections it's really about starting with the theme or starting mm-hmm. with an inspiration point um and it's it's so tricky that's probably the, committing to a theme and an idea is probably the hardest part yeah process because there's been multiple times where I've got it halfway through and I'm like second guessing myself, have we made the right choice? Have, you know, is this working? Is it not working? Um, and it is scary because as, as each year passes, we build more and more of a following and there's more eyes on us. And um, I don't want to let the team down. And I don't want to let, let the customers down or the general public down that, that view our work. I want, I want to be creating garments and collections that are, inspirational so that they have a place in the world Um, so I start off with the theme and then from there work out you know what story we want to tell with that what angle we want to take Um, designing embroideries looking at the shapes looking at colors Um, I'll do hundreds of sketches and then we edit that down and then um, often sit with the team and look at things that, you know, we want to trial. Um, and then maybe we might do a, a selection of, say, 20 pieces. Um, if we're doing, say, we're aiming to do a 15-piece collection, we might do 20 pieces mm-hmm. and, and refine that even further. So um, then I'll finalise my sketches. Um, we'll do twiles, which is like a prototype mock-up of yep. each dress. And then once that's been approved, we begin making it in the actual fabric. But uh, and then it goes from there. Once we once we either have a runway or if it's a photo shoot or ad campaign, whatever that is, um, and clients view, view it and they want something for themselves, um, we will custom make their garment for them. So um, what I love about Couture is it is so it, it's customized to the client. Um, yeah whatever size, whatever shape, colour, specification they want. So um, that's really, I think, one of my favourite parts is when someone comes to me and whether it be for a wedding gown or just an evening wear gown or just something to have in their wardrobe, Mm. which, believe it or not, is something that happens. (laughs) Just like for a Tuesday. Just just in case. Um, (laughs) 
they will talk about, you know, if there is something from the collection that they like. If not, maybe they've got their own inspiration points that we're drawing from. Um, and then we're looking at their figure and what, and what would be flattering on them um, and their colouring, their eye colour, hair colour, skin tone, whatever that is, and making selections based on all of that, coming up with the design. And then, again, we're twirling and ranking the prototype for them to try on, and then we begin making the actual dress for them. Yeah. So how long would you say, I mean, this is probably more specific to a, a custom dress from, like, you know, the client walking in the room or onto a Zoom call um, to the dress being finished? Look, uh, we'd like to work over about six months period. Mm -hmm. period. That's generally what it takes. Sometimes, you know, we've had to do things in four months before, yeah. but it's not ideal, but we can make it happen. It also depends on the intricacy of the dress. Um, yeah. The amount of embroidery that goes into it or the amount of design work that goes into it because sometimes there's a lot of back and forth with, um, you know, the, the the actual, just the initial sketch, because mm. sometimes people aren't too sure about necessarily what they want, and maybe we've got a few ideas floating around, so I'll sketch a few options for them, or we're looking at a few different fabric options. Um, and that's why we're very, I like to be very flexible throughout the mm -hmm. process, because it is, you know, say over six months, um, we don't have to make all those decisions in the first meeting because it's yeah. ridiculous to, to put that onto someone. So I like to say to people that, you know, this is just getting our ideas out on paper. It's just a blueprint, mm. um, but this can change. So as long as we're getting an idea of the shape, we're going to twirl it in and make the prototype. So we yeah. can check it. We can check the length. We can check it. You know, sometimes people aren't sure if they want a bishop sleeve, which is like a big puffy sleeve, mm -hmm. wanted like a slimline sleeve. So maybe we'll do one half on a prototype where yeah. they can kind of get a feeling for both. Um, so that's what's great about it. Nothing's really set too much in stone. And then it's not until then that we have to start picking, you know, finalising fabrics and, and colours and all of mm. that. So yeah. people have a lot of, you know, checkpoints to really work through and um, gives them an opportunity to um, feel like they're not making all their decisions at, at at once yeah yeah and I wanted to ask too I guess this this also probably applies more to the the collection I was really surprised I was watching a you know a sort of behind the scenes or behind the seams video that you that you put up um and I think it was one of your collections that had a lot of map work embroidery and things on it and I was really interested the amount of research that you had done into the story and things because Obviously, I am not a designer, but, you know, it sort of, to me, is like, oh, like, you know, you draw something that looks like nice, you make that. It doesn't necessarily have to have, you know, research and things behind it. So how much research and things do you put in? Is that a really important part of it to you? Yeah, I, I guess for, for my, my personally, uh, the way I work, I really like to put the, the research for me is the fun part of it and the thing cool. I do the most. Um, because again, it just gives a little, for me personally, it gives a little bit more meaning. And I think I suppose for the team as well, it gives a little bit more meaning to what we're creating. Um, and, you know, not to say that the other way is wrong, um, but I just find it kind of gets the creative juices going a little bit more. And I find my work is always, the more research I put into something, the better the end product seems to be. Yeah. Because I'll make, design decisions based on what I find in my research. Yeah. And if it's something super, super small and insignificant, um, but the way, you know, we've sewn a cuff or a, the shape of a collar or, you know, the placement of a pocket or, you know, a little, um, the, the colour or the type of beads that we use, everything is considered based on what is appropriate for that season, for, for that inspiration that we're working yeah. So with East of the Sun, West of the Moon, um, which is the map work that you were referring mm -hmm. to, the map wasn't just a map that we plucked out of anywhere. It was actually a map that we designed that plotted out our heroine's story. Yeah. So she goes on a journey to find her long-lost love that's been captured and um, is forced to live in a castle that stands east of the sun and west of the moon. So if you look at the map, <laughs> it's got the compass 
it's got the castle, it's got the ship that she takes, she rides the um, the north wind, south wind, east wind to get to the castle. So it's got all the winds mapped out on there, it's got um, the sun, the moon, the land, the little village that she goes through. So it's really thinking about who this girl is, what she's doing, what she's thinking and what she's feeling. And then all the embroideries um, were designed around that. That's incredible. And the embroidery on those ones is insane. How long would it take for just one of those dresses to be embroidered? Uh, months, yeah. <laughs> you just, I can't imagine. Out by drawing out the embroidery on, on, in some cases, not every dress is done that way. But um, in most cases, we will, if we're custom embroidery, then we're, we're drawing out the embroidery ourselves. Yeah. Which is a lot of fun. It's, it's <laughs> so much fun because then you're also, you're working with, you know, either pen and paper or you, if you're drawing mm-hmm. um, calico toile in just black pen, you're kind of imagining what this is going to look like once you add colour and beads and those kind of textures. And sometimes you're playing with, you know, frayed organza or feathers or whatever it is. So it's imagining what that's going to look like once it's a finished piece is really exciting. Yeah, that's so cool. Have you ever thought about doing um, costume design, whether for film or theatre or...? Yeah, I mean, I would love to <laughs> do... Because I, I, I suppose in those cases you're working with a story again and it's yeah. so clear. Um and yeah, I would be, you know, given the opportunity, particularly for a film, because I I love films. Um, mm. One of the reasons I'm doing what I'm doing, because I was as a kid used to watch old Hollywood films and be inspired by the costumes that the characters would wear, and so to to contribute to something like that would be amazing. Yeah, yeah. Really cool. so one day, who knows? <laughs> one day, who knows? We'll see. Um, now, I mentioned at the start, you know, all these incredible um, events that your gowns have been worn to, the Met Gala, the Oscars, the Grammys. Can you get an EGOT just from having all your dresses worn to all of those? Because <laughs> I think you're almost there. <laughs> um, but which of these was, um, you know, most exciting for you or how excited do you get when, when they're being worn to those types of things? Oh, you can't even imagine. I, I, <laughs> I think the Oscars, the the very first Oscars that that our gown walked down the red carpet to was just, um, I I was running around the house like a, like a five-year-old kid. I was just so happy because again, it's one of those things that I used to watch as a child. Yeah. And I used to watch the Oscars and, you know, look at these glamorous celebrities in their beautiful gowns and would be mesmerized by. Yeah. I, the gowns and how, how wonderful they look. So to think that that my garment is walking that same red carpet is just, you know, it's a pinch me moment and yeah. it, it doesn't get old and it's yeah. exciting. it's exciting every time. Yeah. And how does that come about? Because, I mean, obviously your stuff is amazing, but there's also so many designers out there. So how does somebody find you? Well, so... For example, the first time that we were at the Oscars, it was with Juliana Ranzik. And mm-hmm. um, her stylist got in touch with us, I think, in November, the November before. Yeah. Um, so that's a few months before the Oscars. And it was a Tuesday afternoon, and we got an email saying, we'd love you to send through some looks for options for Juliana Ranzik uh, for a fitting this Thursday. And it was Tuesday in Australia. And yeah. uh, Thursday being LA. Yeah. So it was, I think, four o'clock. Um, the post office, this is before we were doing much international stuff. So this mm-hmm. didn't have the connections that we now have with international VIP couriers and all of that. And so we, I had to run around the studio, like pulling dresses off mannequins. <laughs> on display. So we had to pull them off mannequins and quickly pack them into this huge box. And um, I remember racing down to the post office with five minutes to spare and begging them to put it through and didn't hear anything for months. And then the morning of the Oscar up and Juliana was wearing our dress. What? Yeah. So it's, you know, you don't even know um, that you, because in in a lot of cases, sometimes they'll pick two or three dresses and, and they'll decide minutes as they're walking out the door. Yeah. 
And when I spoke to Juliana afterwards, um, she was very, very lovely. Um, she said, you know, I looked at, I had a rack of literally 50 dresses and I just happened to pull yours out. So it can be, you know, it can just be chance. You have to yeah. just be lucky, I guess, um, and hope that yours stands out on the rack. Yeah, yeah. Some cases now that we've built more of a name, mm. us out and um, we'll do custom for people. Yeah. Um, but you're still never sure if it's going to get worn. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, that first Academy Awards one must have been pretty exciting, but is there a person that you've dressed that you were most excited for? Um, I think dressing Heidi Klum. Yeah. Really, because um, I've always really loved Heidi. I think she's just a really nice person. I've I really liked her as a person. Mm-hmm. Um, Katy Perry wearing our um, Cinderella gown from our Disney collection while she yeah. was in front of the Disneyland castle. That was pretty... That's pretty amazing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, dressing Kim Kardashian in Vogue was mm. incredible. Um, you know, on a more local scale, I think, you know, when we've dressed Carrie Bickmore for the for the Logies. I was going to say, looking at your Instagram, it looks like Carrie Bickmore only wears Palo Sebastian. <laughs> have, yeah, Carrie and I have a really great relationship and she's just so lovely and down to earth. And um, I think we work really well together and we've dressed her for the past oh, five years now, five or six years. Um, in fact, this is our first year that we haven't really done. And we we're, we're joking about really much on. Yeah, because I, I caught up with her in March in Melbourne, just like a week before COVID kind of hit Australia. Um, and she was wearing um, my dress for for Vamp uh, for one of the runways. And um, we were joking, we were talking about what we we're going to do for the Logies that year. And she's like, oh, that's that, that's if Logies even go ahead. We'll see what happens. And, you know, it looks like they haven't. Yeah. So, um, yeah, but. It's been a lot of fun doing um, quite a few different looks with her. And I, I think particularly the dress that we did for her when she won the gold logie yeah. was a really um, special moment for both of us. So That's really cool. And do you, I mean, you say you, you've got a little bit of a relationship with her now because you've been dressing her for so long. Do you often find that um, either people are coming back and, and asking for more or that you do find those those relationships and friendships coming through from designing for people. Oh, absolutely. Like I've made friends with not only like celebrities but also clients as yeah. well to catch up with. Like oh, this weekend I'm catching up with four, five um, women that I've made wedding <laughs> for. Just for, um, one of them was one of my first bridal clients mm-hmm. like uh, 10 plus years ago now. And um, all of her bridesmaids ended up coming to me as well. And, wow. um, you know, I, I think particularly those early days where it was just me sewing, um, I formed quite strong bonds with these women mm-hmm. and um, were very very much a part of each other's lives. Um, and, you know, I'd go to, go to the wedding and, you know, became friends with the families and, um, and you know, seeing them have kids and everything like that. So, it, yeah. Um, it's really you get some really wonderful relationships out of it and and another very dear friend of mine um I I forget when I catch up with her people ask me how I know her and it's like oh you she started out as a client actually and (laughs) yeah and um it's just great and they you know they they'll refer their family and their friends um and yeah you just build really strong bonds with people because it is quite intimate and you do you do spend quite a lot of time with people in it yeah we're a part of, you know, a big part of their, in case of wedding dresses, a big part of their big day. So um, I guess they they hold us um, as, you know, a special part of that memory that goes with that. Mm, yeah. And do you, I don't really know how to phrase this, do you find sort of more excitement about um, when somebody chooses to wear something sort of at a big event or when somebody chooses you to be that person who makes that gown for their wedding day, which is such a uh, iconic, yeah, day for them? Um, I think it's the same. Yeah. Whether that, whether it's like a celebrity that's picked us to wear for red carpet or someone's picking us for their 
their bridal gown just because we're making the dress for them and they're choosing what they're having makes it no less exciting mm-hmm. um for me the fact that they've been chosen to entrust us with yeah. a special dress and similarly with celebrities you know they're um they have all eyes on them i guess um and the fact that they choose to wear us um again and again is um a, it's a wonderful feeling yeah yeah um i wanted to ask as well about young australian of the year which is very exciting, which you got in, in 2017. Now, you're not the first Young Australian of the Year we've had on this podcast. We had uh, Lucas Patchett from Orange Sky was on a previous episode. And for him and uh, Nick, his business partner, when they got it, they were quite early in, in Orange Sky, and so it really sort of skyrocketed them, whereas Paolo Sebastian was already quite um, you know well-known and going quite well. So how did um, Young Australian of the Year sort of, did it change anything for you? Oh, it changed heaps. Um, and I think at the time it was certainly a lot to get my head around and a lot to deal with. But mm-hmm. I, I mean, even in the nomination, didn't really understand why I was nominated and it was a lot to kind of deal with, like, why, why they had chosen me. Mm-hmm. I was very grateful, don't get me wrong, but I, I just kept asking, you know, are you sure? Or, <laughs> And and when I was there, because I received the award for um, Young South Australian of the Year. Yeah. I remember going to that awards night and I I didn't even tell my family until the last minute because I didn't want them to come because I thought, oh, there's so many things. I don't want, it was like six o'clock and I didn't want them to have to leave work early and like, (laughs) you know, schlep around for me because for something that I knew that I was not going to. Yeah win or anything and yeah. organizers kept saying you know I think we're encouraging everyone to bring their families we really think it would be a nice idea are you sure you don't want some extra tickets and I was like oh okay fine so I told <laughs> mum and dad and my brothers and they came and thank god they did because <laughs> 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 I remember like I think mum or dad asked me how I was feeling and I was like oh it's fine you know <laughs> like I'm not gonna win so I'm yeah. not first and then they called out my name and I was like, oh, <laughs> I have to say, I had to get up and say a speech. And I had at that point hadn't done too much public speaking, but I yeah. kind of did this off the cuff thing. Um, and then at the end of that night was told that, okay, you realise you have to now go to Canberra for the national part of the awards. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I, I don't think I had quite registered that at that point. Mm-hmm. Because I wasn't even, I didn't even fathom receiving the award for uh, on local scale, let alone a national, national scale. Yeah. So went to Canberra, and again kept thinking, "Well, it's nice that they've invited me." <laughs> <laughs> um, and I thought, well, I'm regardless, I'm writing a speech this time, and I'm practicing it because I. I know I'm not going to win, but I'm going to. They they said everyone must write a speech, and I was like, yes, I'm I'm going to do that. And thank God I did because I, I remember sitting there, and the prime minister called out my name, and it took me. It was everything kind of went in slow motion. It was like a movie. Everything was in slow motion, and I had to really pause and think whether any because he said Paul Vassilou. And in that split second between my first and last name, I was kind of... Is there another Paul? (laughs) Paul. I hear Paul. I don't want to stand up. I don't want to look happy or shocked or surprised or anything because (laughs) I don't think he said my name. And then he said my last name and mum and dad kind of looked at me. And and you can see it on the video. We all just look completely (laughs) shell-shocked. But... Yeah, it certainly has changed a lot. And and what I have come to realise since the award is I was chosen because I guess my story has inspired a lot of people and and can inspire a lot of people. And and my, I guess, decision from that point was to utilise it to do what I could to inspire people to follow their dreams and um, to realise that really anything is possible. because. I guess for me, when you're in it, 
you don't really think about the impact that it maybe has on, on other people because you're just trying to get through your day to day. Yeah. And well before the awards, I used to visit schools and, and talk to students about whether it be living in Italy or my design process or, or you know, business classes about starting your own business or all those sorts of things. So they're things that I used to do and that were, were important to me anyway. But I think the awards really kind of outlined it and really um, helped me to, to, to channel all of that and, and gave me a bit more direction. So it, um, that for one was, you know, getting, getting my story out there, but then also um, subsequently the, the Pally Sebastian name got out there a lot more because we reached, yeah. if, you, if you knew fashion, you kind of knew of us, but um, all of a sudden people that, that had nothing to do with fashion knew who I was. And that was kind of a real shock and a, a real kind of, learning curve and um i guess really allowed me to have um, a, a bigger platform and a, a bigger voice and kind of i had to think about how i wanted to utilize that um and yeah so i i really kind of had to look at the business and my time was halved because i was doing a lot of um, public speaking and visiting schools and doing all those sorts yeah. of things. so um it really i think helped me um fast track how I wanted the business to run because I had all of a sudden had to implement a lot of policies and procedures for the team so that things could run smoothly without me physically being there. Um, and that has really been a huge help to to the business and to the team um, because everyone I felt like for quite some time was very reliant on me and, and really needed me. And while they still do, um, they can, there's a lot more autonomy for them now because of because of the awards and um you know it allowed me to travel a lot more and um you know we're getting emails and phone calls and letters from people not only in australia but internationally saying that they had heard about me heard about my story and it inspired them to start their own journey and start tafe or start their own business or it's got to feel, feel pretty cool and yeah it's just it's amazing because i think i, I didn't really have that Mm -hmm. younger and so if I can help someone to do that that's a that's a really wonderful feeling and I want to do that yeah yeah it's really cool and and part of the reason um for for this podcast and the reason I'm talking to sort of young interesting people is that kind of thing of I think young people can often feel like they're maybe too young or in some instances too old to do the things that they really want to do. So, yeah, having someone like you showing that, you know, you can do these incredible things is an important thing for other people to see so they know that they can do things as well. Yeah, I mean, I was constantly told that, you know, your dreams are unrealistic, <sighs> you need to pick something safer, you need to, you know, fashion to exist in South Australia or in Australia, you're going to have to move. Um you know, you should pick a safe job, a nine-to-five job. Um, yeah. so, many, you know, so many things. Um, people would scoff or laugh when I said that I wanted to work in haute couture and that it you know, just wouldn't happen for me. And while that it hasn't happened yet, you know, I, I work in couture. So it's yeah. the level below and we are working our way to haute couture. Um, but, you know, we showcase in Paris. Yeah. Um, and the showcase the first year, that was five years ago now, um, we've showcased there every year since um, and we've had great reviews from French press and yeah. to see us. Uh, and, you know, if, if I had listened to all those people that told me that I couldn't do it, where would I be? And where, where would anyone be? Yeah. Uh, you know, cause there are so many, I guess, risky jobs, like yeah. actors, actresses, filmmakers, you know, whatever it is generally around a creative industry. But, yeah. Um, but there, you know, even some of the safer industries, I guess, um, you know, there would be plenty of people that feel scared or feel like they couldn't start their own business or their own research, or whatever it is, mm -hmm. just because I don't want to say small-minded people, but people that don't have as broad a mind or broad, you know, can't see the bigger picture, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 
so that's that's kind of one of the other things that I've been really trying to that one of the messages that I've been trying to pass on to to students and really to anyone is that just because something is hard to do doesn't mean it's not worth doing or even trying because I love my job and I mm-hmm. love going and creating the success is not the grandeur of it and the big building and the big team and all of that the success is being happy in what you're doing yeah if I was still in my lounge room my parents lounge room at home on the on the lounge room floor cutting dresses mm-hmm. I'd still be happy <laughs> something that I love yeah I think if you're doing the whatever it is for the right reason starting out for the right reason you know m- doing it for money and fame is I think a a lot of people think that that's the reason to do something. It's not. Certainly mm-hmm. for money because if that's your end goal, then it's I feel like a bit shallow. But if you do it for personal fulfillment or because you want to make people happy or inspire yeah. people, then I think that's going to push you further and people will see that as well and they'll want to help. Yeah, absolutely. And do you ever sort of um, get this little feeling like, you know, about those people that, that told you weren't going to be able to do it of like, you know, look at me now? <laughs> um, to be honest, and I'm not trying to sound like <laughs> or anything, I actually don't. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't even think I could name any, like many, very few names that I could actually remember of people that said it to me because yeah. I just – I remember as a kid, I, I'm very headstrong and very mm. stubborn, and it actually was just like a, a just washed over me at the time. And if it, it probably gave me a bit, a bit of fuel to to push further and push harder. But I remember very, I remember that what was said to me, but I couldn't even tell you half the people that said it. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. So, um, but I do remember the people that encouraged me. That's what I do. Well, that's the key, isn't it? Yeah. So, yeah. Those people I, I still hold very close to my heart because yeah. I owe everything to them. Yeah. Uh, now, we are getting towards the end here, but I like to ask a random question uh, each episode. So it's got nothing to do with anything we've talked about. And I have to thank my friend Sarah Hull for this question. Uh, and that is, what is a TV intro that you never skip? I'm gonna say the nanny. Really? Yeah, I love the nanny. Yeah, I actually watched the nanny recently, like again, um, and it is yeah. a good opening theme. All, all the time. Yeah. I it just it's one of those shows that I always go back to that just makes me laugh and makes me happy. And <laughs> um, I would probably say that's the first thing that popped into my head. That's fair. That is a really good one. Um, I think as well. Pardon? Friends, maybe. Yeah, friends. I would say um, mine is a is yep. a fairly obvious one that a lot of people who like the show would agree, which is Game of Thrones, um, yep. because it it the intro changes each episode and it, so it sort of tells you what's coming up. Um, but Band of Brothers is another one for me just because it's so darn good. Um, I can't skip the intro for that one as well. <laughs> Yeah, I haven't watched either. The, I, it's controversial, but I haven't seen Game of Thrones. My the the yeah. guest that I just the episode that just came out Tuesday as we're recording this um was on Game of Thrones. Oh, uh, really? Yeah, yeah, she yeah, was a star. I, I like I watched one episode. the The first episode that I watched was Red Wedding. Oh no! First one to no, watch. Paul, no! <laughs> I was there going. <laughs> Why is this happening to these poor people? <laughs> and I haven't gone back. Oh, I, okay, I understand. That might be a slightly scarring experience. <laughs> I wonder right. what this show's like. Okay. Ah! <laughs> yeah. The whole the whole episode is just really traumatic. Uh, yeah, I just remember feel like I left feeling really upset, and I actually watched the nanny afterwards. Oh, there you go. There you go. <laughs> Hilarious. Uh, now, my last question for you, which is a question that I ask everyone that comes on the podcast. The show is called Loud and Seemingly Confident because that's how I once described myself. Do you consider yourself a confident person? Um, in some aspects. Yeah. I don't know. I'd probably say 
yes and no. I, that does really answer your question. But a lot of people have said the same thing, though. Yeah, in yeah, some instances I, you are, in others you're not. I feel like when I am in inverted commas, Paolo Sebastian. Yeah. And I'm under that protective blanket of Paolo Sebastian. I'm very confident because I know, because generally I'm asked Paolo Sebastian fashion related questions and I'm very, I know what I'm talking about and I feel very secure in what I'm saying. Um, But I guess like anyone, um, yeah, just out in the real world, there are moments where I'm more confident than others. Um, But I have, you know, amazing friends and amazing family that make me feel confident about myself and make me feel good about myself. But yeah, there are certainly always things that, you know, test that Mm -hmm. Um, when I'm put into a situation maybe where I'm not as well versed in the topic or or whatever it is. And that kind of, because I I guess coming back to being a perfectionist, I always want to do a good job. Yeah. I don't want to let anyone down. So that kind of, um, perfectionism can kind of sometimes uh wreak havoc a little bit but yeah I'm I'm the same so I completely understand uh, that yeah but yeah but otherwise I think in general I would say yeah I'm I'm a reasonably confident person cool well thank you so much for being here this has been a really fantastic chat thank you for having me no worries and thank you everybody for listening please subscribe rate leave a review you can follow me on instagram at chelsea j heaney or you can follow the podcast at loud and seemingly confident both on instagram and facebook paul where can people find out more about you and paolo sebastian so they can head to paolosebastian.com. Um, that's got all of our website with our, all of our collection and campaign videos. Or they can also follow us on uh, Instagram on pa- paolo underscore Sebastian. Or my personal Instagram is paul underscore Basilis. Awesome. Thank you again so much for being here. This has been absolutely fantastic. Thank you so much for having me. No worries.